hello, and welcome to Well, There's Your Problem. It's a podcast about engineering disasters with slides. I'm Justin Rosniak. I'm the person who's talking right now. My pronouns are he and him. Okay, go. I am, I am Alice Caldwell-Kelly. I am the person talking now. My pronouns are she and her. Yay, Liam. Yay, Liam, buddy. Thanks, Alice. Uh, my name is Liam Anderson. My pronouns are he and him, and I am going to burn this fucking ground. For good reason. Uh, starting, Pharmacies, starting out, yeah. Starting out early with the actionable threats, I see. <laughs> right to the ground, buddy. Right to the it's, ground. It's, it's a very special, holly jolly, tinsel-covered, Merry Christmas episode of Well, There's Your Problem. I um, want to be very clear. that if, if and when Jesus comes back from the second time, we will be putting him down. <laughs> we, will, we, we will not fuck that up twice. That's, uh, <laughs> that, that's more appropriate for Easter, Liam. Whatever, dude. <laughs> Listen, I am pleased to announce my diarrhea from last episode has straightened itself out. Hell oh, nice. yeah. We are, we are now back to being a regular podcast in uh, like bowel movements, if not in release schedule. Uh, we'll, never, we'll never be one of those podcasts. I got my, <laughs> got my COVID booster this morning, so you know I'm feeling great and peppy. You know? Yep. I've been up for way too long and I'm tired as hell, and Liam is homicidally angry more than okay. usual. Oh, furious. Yes. Yeah, uh, I... Mm, I gotta accompany my mother to the pharmacy tomorrow to pick up her uh, her, her meds, uh, which they just uh, decided not to fill uh, for the last two weeks. Hmm. And my mother needs that medication, and so uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a, a, some sort of howitzer and strap <laughs> it to the GTI. Yes. And, and, then yeah. I will, and then I will ask them, is this a technical as they are burning, running, screaming for their lives? <laughs> well, no, that over would more likely over. be trailer mounted artillery. Yeah. And then, and, and and then, then as, I, hmm. as, I, as I plunder the, the Walgreens for all of their Skittles, hopefully they have the Skittle smoothies variant. Uh, I will. I will then. Uh, I will. I will take the pharmacist, and I will march him into the square for being very rude to my mother. Mm. You know, you you really you really are making me. You know, really use that bleeper right oh, now. Absolutely. Yeah. And on top of all so. of this, uh, fucking Spotify has seen fit to like but to assassinate us ass to, to to extrajudicially assassinate our podcast from its airwaves. I have some theories as to why this occurred, but I have no idea. Well, anyway. we'll, we'll fix it through a process of uh, yelling at people until someone gives us what we want. I don't think you can yell at people. It's an algorithm. It doesn't respond to intimidation. Well, that, that just means that the intimidation hasn't been devised yet, and I have faith that if anyone can intimidate the algorithm, it's Liam. <laughs> That's me, baby. That's me, baby. Um, okay. Uh, get your booster if you can. Uh, don't see anybody. Everyone's dead. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Fuck this government, uh, as always. Yeah. Uh, we're not giving um, a Doesn't matter. Doesn't even matter anymore. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Wear, still wear a mask. Wear, wear a mask. Wear a, yeah. like a a, a, a KN95 or whatever. If you can find one, you can afford it. If not, just you know, do your best. So what yeah. you see on the screen in front of you is a boat. Mm-hmm. I see this. I, I yes. see the boat. It's from Belgium. Oh. Uh, no. 
though. Yeah. Oh, that's why it's called the Leopoldville. The 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 racist both. They, they might as well just have put the N word in real big stencil font. Here. Oh, that's there too. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, the yeah. other side of the boat. Yeah. Uh huh. Yes. Well, so it's bilingual. They have to have in like uh, Flemish and Walloon. Yes. This is this is the SS Leopoldville, which was a Belgian liner, which was pressed into service as a troop ship in oh. World War Two, for the second most racist country on earth. The British. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Back to back racism yeah. champs. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and and today we're gonna learn about what befell it. Yeah, a magical uh, story about the power and the true meaning of Christmas. And and normally we don't do like military incidents. We're like, you know. Oh, the no, boat that's my sank. other podcast. <laughs> and, yeah, that's Liam's other podcast. But this one, this one was definitely a crisis of organization and just general. It was it was sort of a, a, a all around a uh, a clusterfuck. Yeah, which was sort of like completely unnecessary. Hmm. The sort of like hostile action part of this is not the part that we're interested in as an engineering disaster. The fucking the the like the Nazi part of this worked perfectly as far as they were concerned. This is true, yes. Operated to design. But first, we have to do the goddamn news. Well, we have something good. We can, like, boost all of our moods. Yes. Uh, because the Chilean presidential election, which was between a, a, a nice... Uh, democratic socialist progressive who likes trees and climbing trees, um, and has kind of like a bromance with Pedro Pascal, uh, versus a guy whose dad was literally a Nazi, whose brother was literally uh, in Pinochet's government, and who you know is basically <laughs> a Nazi himself. Um, Boric, our guy, won a good guy. Um, yes, and well, it, good things can happen. Yeah, good things can happen. It wasn't even close. Um, I was I was getting nervous because the polls going down to the election were getting really, really close. There was one that was literally 50-50, like 0. 0.0. Um, but no, in, in, in this case, um, uh, Jose Antonio Cast uh, conceded. It, it was, you know, um, not, I would say, like a landslide, but it was a more resounding victory than anyone thought, and a lot of Chileans are, are very, very happy, as well they should be. Uh, yes. They're going to rewrite the constitution to, you know, possibly make it more of a democracy, which will be nice. Um, and, you know, people are thinking maybe this is like the, the sort of the herald of the second coming of the, like the pink tide that's going to sweep in, because Lula's probably going to become uh, president of Brazil. Uh, yeah. Absent any surprises, there's been a couple of other elections uh, where where socialists and progressives have won. I think uh, Honduras and can't think of the other one, but yeah, no. So I, I don't know how optimistic to be about this, but the good news is um, they might have a harder time assassinating the, our guy Boric uh, because now all of the CIA have Havana syndrome that they've given themselves. Good point. Yeah, that's a good also, point. Really great opportunity for green energy because they can hook a dynamo up to uh, 
Augusto Pinochet's corpse spinning in his grave. <laughs> um, well, I, I'm just enjoying the sort of like uh, the, the the cope and the seethe from people who are like, ah, oh, you know, this is a, a left wing extremist who has defeated uh, moderate, uh, moderate sort of investor friendly. And then at that point, what you do is you go to Jose Antonio Cast's Wikipedia page. Then you find his dad, go to his Wikipedia page, save the photo of his dad, which is him in his Nazi uniform, post that in their replies and go, yo, whose dad is this? <laughs> I like the one where the BBC decided we're going to interview the man in the street. And the Lincoln man in the Solo street, Pinochet. Yeah, it just <laughs> happened to be his name was Pinochet. He, he, well, not just like, his name. Like you, do, you do a joke about like no relation, but he was <laughs> related to him. <laughs> now we found just a random guy. He happened to, you know, there's loads of these guys in uh, Chile, owing to uh, Pinochet's um, enforcement of prima nocta. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, Boric and his like um, his congratulations speech. He said something I, I, I liked where he said uh, neoliberalism was born in Chile and it'll die in Chile. It'll be its oh, graveyard. Yeah. Uh, and if if you want to get very sentimental about this, because if, if if you're not familiar, uh, Augusto Pinochet, the the fascist dictator of Chile for many years, was uh, was swept into power in a sort of CIA organized and backed military coup that. Uh, assassinated the elected Marxist president, uh, Salvador Allende. Um, and as Allende gave his like final sort of speech, as the, the Air Force was bombing the radio stations, he says, uh, Workers of my country, I have faith in Chile and its destiny. Other men will overcome this dark and bitter moment when treason seeks to prevail. And uh, yeah, it, it turns out that other men are like sensitive tree chads. Yes. God bless um, our sensitive tree chad president boy. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Long may he reign. Is this the slide I'm looking at? Please tell me this is actual campaign material. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. You, can, really? you can tell by yes. You can tell by the watermark. Somebody I thought, did. Uh, so I thought yes. I saw the watermark and I was like, yeah, okay, like he's he's he did he ran a very meme heavy campaign. Or each uh, will muscle. make uh, anime real. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I do want to say, on a serious note, uh, by the time this goes up, the Burns will have played the dastardly and awful Washington football team. Uh, sports are all going to be canceled, but before that happens, fuck Dan Snyder uh, for uh, obstructing an investigation into accusations that he sexually assaulted someone hmm. and trying to hmm. get her not to talk to a DC detective. Uh, that's my bad Jew of the week. <laughs> I don't think we should make that a regular segment. No, I don't think so either. Because <laughs> it would just be Dan Snyder every week. <laughs> 57th consecutive. <laughs> back to back to back. <laughs> uh, you can you can do, go do that on uh, 10,000 losses. Uh, <laughs> yeah, get the hell out of here with this. Yeah, spot, guys. Stick to sports. <laughs> Stick to sports. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So that that was the news about Borich. Now you we got to talk about okay, so back to the another, bad stuff. Bad stuff. Yeah, bad stuff. Bad stuff. Bad stuff. Right off the bat, have you read King Leopold's Ghost? I have not. That should be. Uh, I want to plug that book. Uh, mm. that opened my, uh, that, uh, my dad, when I was in the ninth grade, uh, threw it at my head and told me to read it. 
Uh, so I could, and I'm quoting directly here, make myself less stupid. I I love the little like vignettes of Liam's dad we get in these podcasts. <laughs> yeah, my my dad uh, collects stamps, and so uh, instilled in me very young a hatred of the Belgians, for which I am eternally grateful. <laughs> well, one has to do the other. I'm not sure, but mm. yeah. So we're talking about the Belgian Congo, which is the, possibly the purest form of uh, of colonialism, and oh, also yeah. like the most like darkness uh, in the hearts of men. Yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. And it sort of starts in a dumb way, right? Leopold II of Belgium, he wanted a colony for Belgium. He's like, we're big boys. We need a colony, right? Mm-hmm. He wanted um, a colony for himself, and he ran a he ran a parliamentary or a constitutional monarchy, right? So the civil government wasn't there with him, right? Right. Um, so Leopold II sort of decided to negotiate his way into a meeting about partitioning Africa. I think it was in Berlin. I forget when it was. The Berlin Conference, eighteen eighty one. I want to say, yeah, the, the, the original yeah. like scramble for Africa, or yeah. well, actually, like the second wave of it. And he managed to secure for himself, not for Belgium, but for himself, nine hundred and five thousand square miles of Central Africa, which uh, was uh, shortly thereafter named the Congo Free State, right? Mm-hmm. Because the Belgians um, love irony. Yes. And 1884 Leop- to 1885, by the way. So I was a little uh, off. Leopold II was an absolute monarch in this colony, as opposed to a constitutional yep. monarch back home, right? So of course he he goes he goes and uh, goes ahead and's like, well, we need to exploit all these resources, right? Let's uh let's enslave and terrorize the population. That's a good idea. Yeah, right. The, the resource yep. here is mostly rubber, which was uh, mm-hmm. becoming more and more valuable every day. Which also required a shitload of like arduous manual labor to extract. Yeah, and they they thoroughly like exploit the land, all the national uh, natural resources. They brutalize everyone who gets in the way of this. You know, uh, punishment was all nasty, brutal. People got tortured. Mutilation was very common. People get their hands cut off yeah. for just any old thing. Incredibly, you know? incredibly gruesome stuff. We can't really say enough how bad all the shit was on. Even for colonial Africa, yeah, pretty, and the, pretty uh, fucking the, evil. And the thing is, uh, Leopold swung this at the Berlin Conference by suggesting that it was a like a humanitarian, yes. Yes, philanthropic yes. initiative. Yeah. Again, you begin to see why, uh, particularly in um, uh, in Africa, a lot of people are very suspicious of uh, NGOs doing philanthropic and humanitarian work. Yeah, history does not repeat itself, but it does rhyme. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so in 1904, a guy named Roger Casement, he was Irish, um, he went to uh, the, belt, the, uh, the Congo Free State and sort of reported on all the... Uh, horrific crap that was going on down there, right? Yeah, and, and this, of course this ended uh, all of the abuse because in sort of a, you know, uh, what's the fucking Aaron Sorkin show about how, about the fucking press? Uh, the newsroom. Uh, the, the, the newsroom. The news. Yeah, he, he yeah. Roger Casement did the newsroom on, <laughs> on the Congo Free State and everything got better, right? Well, the report when it came out was so bad that there was actually a lot of international pressure on the Belgians to do something about this, right? Mm. Um, and what they decided to do was in 1908, 
they formally annexed the Congo Free State, and it became the Belgian Congo. Right. Yeah, they, they they took away Leopold's little like uh you know uh, toy murder erector erector yeah. genocide set. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and and this sort of marginally improved conditions in the country, but oh, most of the well, same people were in charge. Um, a lot of the same, you know, the same economy was there. Maybe you weren't cutting off as many people's hands, but it still was an unpleasant place to be. Right. I thought we had learned that marginally improving was all we could ever do. Yeah, and then in, incidentally, uh, Roger I Casement we should be grateful goes, for the scraps, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. G- goes yeah. back to Ireland, uh, sort of I- incidentally takes part in the Easter Rising and is then executed by us, the British, so... Oh, congratulations. Uh, well. <laughs> mm-hmm, yep. And, um, and so, uh, the Congo remained part of, um... Belgium until 1960 when they managed to get independence, right? And now they're the Democratic Republic of the Congo, right? Mm. Yes. So now with that being said, when you have a colony, you need means to access that colony. So a whole bunch of coastal liners were being built for that purpose. Among them being... The Leopoldville. Yes. Named after, because he imaginatively named the capital of his little, like, torture erector set after himself. What a Naturally. fucking prick. Yeah, but you, I, you, you see the, the, the shape of the Congo Free State, it has, uh, like, this like, like little, like, sea corridor, but also yeah, the yeah. Congo River, uh, which is very navigable, and therefore you just fucking, you know, drive a ship right up there, take the rubber, ship it back. Is it that navigable? I believe so, yeah. Okay, I, I wasn't sure it's about very, it's that. It's very large. This is true, yes. So yeah, Leopoldville is now uh, Kinshasa. Um, it's still the capital of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, right? But this is one of the boats that would, you know, go between Belgium and the Congo, you know, back and forth. They'd carry, you know, it was it was sort of, it was a passenger liner, but also had large cargo holds, right? So, you know, it was also refrigerated, which is interesting. Um, well, Africa is hot, Roz. True. And you may be moving produce. Um, all right. Uh, 470 feet, 8 inches long, 62 foot, Same. 2 inch beam, uh, 25 feet of draught. Um, you know, and, and, and so it's, it's, it's not super huge. It's not super small either, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a respectable sort of like jack-of-all-trades ocean-going, uh, like, steamer, yeah. Yes, used for doing racism. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The racism boat. Yes. Of many. Mm-hmm. And so, that's the history of the boat. I don't know much about the career before uh, events transpired, and that event transpiring yeah. was um, World War Two. The fucking little hearts of iron noise just going off here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You may be familiar with this event from popular uh, popular culture or video games. Yeah, you may think it was just something that happened in a video game, but it actually happened. Yeah, they actually um, based the video games on a real thing, which yes. is that uh, a little Austrian guy did not get into... Failed out of art school, or didn't get into art school, exactly. and uh, threw a temper tantrum and genocided a whole bunch of people about it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and forced me to say that the Soviets won World War II. Yep, yes. Yep. I mean, I, I, arguably you can pin it more on World War One than you can on not getting into art school, but yes. he also yeah. didn't get into art school. Well, there was, a, there was that XKCD 
about him not getting into art school. It's fine. Moving on. And, you know, eventually the United States gets dragged into this war and they start sending, they start up the draft, they start drafting troops, they send them across, you know, it, mobilizing them is a whole big thing, right? You know, because you got to like, you got to like draft a kid Pick up and put him from Nebraska. Mm-hmm. You got to yeah. ship them by rail. Well, you got to train oh. them somewhere and then oh, ship yeah. them again to yeah. a port. Yeah. Sh- yeah. Ship them by port and then you take them across the ocean in something called a troop ship. Right, we have a picture of one. Uh, yes. a, one of the ocean-going ones, uh, uh, and it's it's fucking miserable. This is one of the least crowded photos I could find. Um, these are often like very hastily adapted, uh, and like of all slapped si- together as being a little yeah. generous. Yeah, and of of all sizes, of all makes. Like right. you had like uh, victory ships and liberty ships that were designed yep. for that purpose. You had uh, the requisitioned like gigantic ocean liners. Um, which were just like painted entirely grey and like stuffed full of these, and you had shit like the Leopoldville, where the 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 British Admiralty just like stole it. Yeah, nice. I sure think technically they um they they I don't think they requisitioned it. I think they had to pay someone for it. Oh, we eminent um, domained it. Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> we, we we paid Yap von Rassism's do uh yes. for his for his boat. So in 1939, they uh, they grabbed the Leopoldville, right, and they converted it to a troop ship, right, and and this is this one was designed for they wanted to do short distance hauls with this one, so they didn't put bunks in. It was mostly just benches, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they filled the whole cargo hold with benches. Yes, um, oh. you know, so you you just you're just there, you sit down, you know, you wait you wait for the short trip to be over. I mean, it's about a day long trip, right? Yeah, right, they're, sh- um, they're shipping cross uh, cross channel because by this point D Day has happened. There's already a, a, a beachhead, and then like uh, ports are seized, so you can just ship from like Southampton to Cherbourg or Antwerp or whatever. Yeah, and they made about twenty four uh, trips with this uh, ship without incident. Right? Um, they had a few guns on there, but that was about all the defenses. Right? Um, and it still had its same crew. Right? Hmm. Um, so. And this Belgians—they were Belgians. Ugh. Yes. Yikes. So the, the Captain Charles Limbor did not speak English, right? And neither okay, did most didn't. of the crew, right? You speak All like the, nineteen languages in your dumb country, and English just isn't one of them. Mm-hmm. All the orders were given in Flemish. Uh, some of the crew oh were God. Belgians. Some of the crew were Congolese. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, sure, but like I'm not mad at the Congolese to be clear. No, that's not that's the not their fault. But I yeah. am very mad at I'm anyone mad whose at idea Belgians. is like, yeah, like understanding Flemish at the best of times is not easy. Understanding Flemish over like a public address system on a sink on like a sinking ship. Yeah, <laughs> I I I I gotta say I heard um, well I guess I'm thinking of Dutch and not Flemish. Uh, but I heard I heard a video of some like uh like really like a Dutch. You ever seen the video where the Dutch guy shows how he parks his car in his yes. very small garage? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it doesn't sound so much like he's speaking Dutch. It sounds like he's speaking really weird, garbled English. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like half and half English and German, but with a throat infection thrown in there. Exactly. I was like, well, he's got the same, he somehow has like a working class English accent, but speaking 
gobbledygook. Mm. I'm confused. <laughs> I think I think the working class aspect is largely because he's wearing a flat cap in that video. I think it that'll, just imbues you. It, yeah. 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 You just suddenly, all of a sudden, you are a um, you have become um, Baz. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so we got to talk about uh, submarine warfare. Yes, uh, which is deeply tied up with both the conduct of the war and also the internal politics of Nazi Germany. Um, because you know Hitler liked to encourage conflict within institutions, and he also liked to like sort of uplift various cronies, and consequently, like, one of the like the the hmm. Sears guy. Yeah, very much <laughs> like the Sears guy. Um, and the way that he did this with the German Navy was to, uh, as sort of sideline all surface ship effort in favor of in favor of U-boats, in favor of submarines, um, which had you know also been a German tactic in the First World War and had been sort of broadly pretty successful. Um, and the point of a U-boat here is to be a commerce raider, right? It, right. it doesn't like attack warships. It attacks, uh, you know, fuel, con- food. Yeah, stuff like exactly. That. Yeah, yeah. At, at this point, we're past the point of being able to like starve Britain to death because like the U.S. is in the war, the Soviets are like pressing on the Eastern Front. But what they can do is just hang out in the Channel uh, because the submarine pens at Lorient haven't been captured yet. Um, so they can just sail up from the French coast into the channel and just kind of wait for be dicks. Yeah, just yeah. be dicks and try and like you know strangle the invasion force on the continent. Mm. This is U four eighty six here, um, and this is like a, a, a good example of like a late war U boat. It has the like Alberich anechoic uh, tiling system on it, so it's you know more. Uh, difficult to detect on on sonar, and also it has the schnorkel. We've yes. mentioned the schnorkel before, uh, but the schnorkel is uh, actually a Dutch design, uh, which oh, allows what you. A surprise! <laughs> it allows you to keep a, a diesel electric um, submarine submerged for much longer because you don't have to like fucking you know purge the thing and charge the yeah charge the batteries. Yeah, and another another fun fact about U four eighty six is this was the last U boat before the Pentium series. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't want to get anywhere close to that. I oh, I was seeing a Pentium four. Yeah, and the, remember the TDPs those things threw off. <laughs> I don't know what a TDP is. Oh, uh, I forget what it stands for, but how much wattage, uh, a chip uses. Uh, and Intel see. just kept boosting the wattage of the Pentium 4s, being like, no, no, everything's fine. Never mind the fact that this thing needs 230 watts when power supplies are only going up to like 350. That would mm. give you a whopping 170 megahertz. Yeah. Well, no, those, <laughs> we were in gigahertz by then. Oh, okay. I, I remember I had a Pentium 4 that was clocked at 2.4 gigahertz. Damn. Yeah. My friend had a Pentium D. Uh, that was clocked to like three two or something, and I was very envious of him. Hmm. Why were you buying U boats, Liam? Uh, <laughs> the reparations. Don't, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah talk I, I, about I, actionable hmm. threats. Liam is out here about to do some commerce raiding. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna commerce raid a Walgreens. Yes. Yeah. And then the raiding across the street. <laughs> so, what's happening in the conduct of the war at this point, 
we have uh, exemplified with, with this little diagram, uh, because we're talking about the Battle of the Bulge. Um, and the Battle of the Bulge is uh, sort of the, the Wehrmacht's last drive, its last real like offensive operation um, through the Ardennes in Belgium. Um, and th this, this takes the US Army very much by surprise, uh, it catches them unprepared, it leads to a lot of uh, US troops being surrounded, which leads to uh, one general, Anthony McAuliffe, seen here, being asked to surrender and replying simply, nuts, back, which is... Yeah, and apparently, I, I've, I've read uh, General McAfee, I think, apparently he never swore, and so like that was very typical of him. And the German had to ask, uh, what does this mean, essentially? Uh, and General McAfee's aide said, in plain English, go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is, this is not like, this is a fairly desperate position, and uh, like the, the, the troops there are waiting for relief from Patton, of all people, who is having difficulty getting there because the weather won't clear. Uh, yeah, and, he's, and he's busy being anti-Semitic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, watch the like well, last in, third of Battle in, Band of Brothers. You know, in in fairness, the Nazis were also being anti-Semitic. Yeah, Pat. Uh, I've said it before. I think on the show, and I'll say it again. Patton's only objections to the death camps were that uh, the Nazis were doing them, and we weren't. Yeah, and also <laughs> they didn't have more tanks in them. Yeah, <laughs> man, just loved tanks. He loved them. Loved that shit. He did. The so that's your tank. That that's your like historical context is the Battle of the Bulge is happening. Uh, the, the the U.S. Army is embroiled in a situation, and you don't ever want to be embroiled. No. Um, yes. <laughs> and so what 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 they need badly is reinforcements. To be over yeah, they 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 badly need reinforcements of infantry, and so that's what they're getting, or are supposed to be getting, from these guys. Uh, the uh, the 66th Infantry Division, the Black Panther Division. Nice. Uh, not uh, not yes. as cool or as black as that name suggests, Damn. but they did have a cool <laughs> patch. Yes. Uh, this would be the I want to say uh, 262nd and 264th regiments thereof. Uh, and like, there's no photos of how this is how obscure this disaster is. There's no photos of them like embarking. Very few, yeah. There's very few photos of the boat. I think there's just like the one, um, you know. And there, you know, we're talking about these reinforcements are coming from uh, uh, England, right? Yeah, uh, Southampton. Southampton, and Southampton, Southampton in particular, right? Yeah. Um, all these, all these uh, troops are, you know, they're fresh off the boat. They've just come directly from the farm in Nebraska or Kansas or whatever, right? And you know, they're waiting to be deployed. Yeah, right. they've been issued a cool fursona, and they've been taught how to fire a garrison. Uh, yes. Uh, and, and now they've got to get in the boat. And so it's December of 1944. It's uh, December 23rd, in fact. And they're having an early Christmas dinner because they're pretty sure they're, they're going to have the order to move out, right, soon. And while the dinner was being prepared, they got the order to move out. So they didn't get mm -hmm. dinner. Not on, so like not running, on the, running with yeah. like a turkey leg in your mouth. <laughs> oh shit! I'm late for war with a like slice of toast. This is the USS West Point in this photo, by the way, because yeah. this is the best photo I could find for like guys getting on troop ship. And so these two regiments of uh, uh, troops, you know, they get out to the dock and they stand there for six hours, 
Yep, hurry up and um, wait, baby. Never, yeah, never. The, the army never changes. Uh, <laughs> no, nope. <laughs> there's, there's like two thousand of them in total. Yeah, two thousand two hundred and twenty-three. You can find Paleolithic carvings, actually, of what is clearly a general saying, <laughs> "We have to be here at 0600 sharp." <laughs> yes, the enemy will be there. Shut up. So, they started loading troops on the Leopoldville at two o'clock in the morning. You should you should see <laughs> Sea People's Army TikToks. <laughs> and the loading was somewhat haphazard, right? Rather than you know organize you know the troops in units. I can't believe the military would do something haphazard like <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it's like getting a booster shot in Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah, he's right, alive, they, folks. <laughs> he's alive. <laughs> You just, um, you know, rather than loading the troops on the boat as units, so they know where their commanding officer is and stuff oh, like no. that, <laughs> and they know where their buddies are, uh, they just, you know, as people, as, as, as you arrive, you are loaded on the boat, right? At first come, first served. Exactly. Because it'll be, I, I don't know, they have to save the time that they lost by waiting for six hours. Um... <laughs> Once again, armies, man, they just like this. <laughs> yeah. Sergeant George Atkerson writes in his diary the ship was was a bucket. It had a smell of death about it. Great. Don't worry, buddy, it's gonna get worse. Mm-hmm. Probably on account of it having made trips back and forth from the Belgian Congo. Yeah, because it's um, haunted. It is haunted. And rightfully haunted. so, I want to yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bunch of vengeful Congolese ghosts, just very confused that the people they're getting vengeance on aren't Belgians. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's collateral um, ghost damage. It's it's really like it's it's a sad story, but it's not yeah. their fault. No, we have some typical issues that plague uh, troop ships. Um, this ship was built in 1928. You know that's post Titanic, so the safety standards are a little better. The <laughs> thing is, of course, they're packing it full of so many people that doesn't matter, right? Less good. Yeah, so they, they don't have enough life jackets. Um, they have lifeboats, not enough for everyone, right? No one came to the lifeboat drill because it was in Flemish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Great, perfect. Yes, and, and if, the, if the ship sinks, you, you, you stand on the honk here, and yeah, sure, okay. And, and this is, um, you got to keep in mind, these are, these are infantry, right? You know, so that, most of these... Most of the kids on the boat probably had never been on a boat in their lives, certainly not one this big. Yeah, you apart know? from having gone over the Atlantic in the first place. Yeah, so they're exactly. driving yeah. that. Yeah. Sure. It's not but, driving this one either, fair enough. So, having spent from 2am to 9am loading the boat... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's efficient. <laughs> I know, right? Um, they set sail from Southampton docks at 9 a.m. for the whopping most of a day-long journey to Cherbourg in France. Hi, it's Justin. Uh, so this is a commercial for the podcast that you're already listening to. Uh, people are annoyed by these, so let me get to the point. We have this thing called Patreon, right? The deal is... You give us two bucks a month, and we give you an extra episode once a month. Uh, Sometimes it's a little inconsistent, but, you know, it's two bucks. You get what you pay for. Um, It also gets you our full back catalog of bonus episodes, 
so you can learn about exciting topics like guns, pickup trucks, or pickup trucks with guns on them. The money we raise through Patreon goes to making sure that the only ad you hear on this podcast is this one. Anyway, that's something to consider if you have two bucks to spare each month. Uh, Join at patreon.com forward slash WTYP pod. Do it if you want. Or don't. It's your decision, and we respect that. Back to the show. Mm -hmm. Right? They're in a little convoy for protection. Convoy is called WEP3. Uh, and it's it, it's only a little one because it's you know it's not that it, you don't need like right. a, a huge Atlantic convoy sort of thing. Um, yeah. So uh, two British destroyers, I want to say off the top of my head, HMS Brilliant and Anthony, um, a French one, uh, Quoi de Lorraine, and another troop ship. Yes. Um, and this began as a relatively uneventful journey, as most of the journeys for the ship had been in the past. Of course, you know, relatively disorganized if you were a troop on there, right? It's very crowded. Everyone has seasickness. Mm -hmm. A lot of people go up above deck in order to relieve their seasickness. Those were the smart guys. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to stand like, you know, up to your knees and and vomit like in a sort of cargo hold. But it's also late 1944, so the um, the U-boats are getting a little more feisty, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, because of the schnorkel. Yes. So the captain of the HMS Brilliant uh, makes the order for the whole convoy to start zigzagging because there's U-boats in the area, right? Uh, this uh, did not prove to be enough, though. <laughs> yeah, as we see here with this uh, little drawing, which yes. is, again, because this is the level of obscurity that we're talking about. These, these are the sources that we have to work with here. Is uh, mm-hmm. So they get almost the whole way across the channel. They're five miles from Cherbourg, right? It's 5.54 p.m. They got, I don't know, 30 minutes till they reach uh, the harbor, right? Yeah, it's a glorified ferry. You're basically there. You're more worried about having to go and, like, fucking fight in the war when you get there. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, a a German U-boat shot a torpedo at SS Leopoldville. Yeah, this is U-486, which we saw earlier. yes. Just, uh, uh, yeah. The direct hit starboard side aft uh, instantly killed about 300 men in that particular compartment. Yeah, sure. You're just just sitting on the bench, like covered in vomit, and you're just like, oh, just fucking kill me. How can this day get any worse? Yeah. (laughs) And the monkey's paw curls. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, this, um, the explosion killed around 300 men. There were three compartments that started flooding. Um, and most of the ladders to the upper decks were destroyed, so men were trapped inside the watertight compartments. Nope, um, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, no, not good. Like this. Yeah, not good. Um, all right, so they know they've been hit, um, and this is when the loudspeaker comes on, so the captain can, uh, can direct the crew, and of course it's, um, the, the announcements are both contradictory and in Flemish. Flemish. Right? <laughs> Helpful. Helpful people. Yeah, Initially, he just goes, it is, it is 5.54 British time, you will apply your shoe polish. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm slandering the Flemish there, or if this is just a Dutch thing. I'm being very vague them. about the Fuck about them. the low countries here. I, yeah, they're all, they're all basically the same, you know? Fuck um, 
the first announcement said the ship is not sinking. We're going to get a tug to bring us into harbor, oh, right? The ship. Okay. We got this big hole in the side, though. Don't worry about that. Yeah, in 300 fairness, dudes have just been fucking mulched. Turned into like... gravy. Yeah. Uh, mm. In but fairness, that saves weight. <laughs> in fairness, at this point, the ship was not sinking, right? <laughs> Oh yeah! At this point, right, no okay. dis- no disaster has happened yet. Like yeah. the the, <laughs> right. the Nazis, the Nazis have gone entirely according to their plan. And exactly. other than that, you know, who cares? Whatever. Exactly. Fix the um, post. Mm-hmm. The initial plan was to have a tug tow the ship into the harbor, or alternatively, the men would be transferred to other ships. Right. Sure. In the meantime, they'd lost power from the engines, and the ship was drifting towards a minefield, right? <laughs> so the captain of HMS Brilliant ordered SS Leopold to drop anchor, which they did. Okay, so now they're stuck. Okay, that seems counterproductive, but all right. At least you're not, at least you're not stuck in the minefield, you know? True, true, yeah. true. So about, about 30 minutes later, it was clear that the ship, yeah, it's probably sinking, right? And uh, Captain Charles Lindbergh gave the abandoned ship order, which went unheeded by American troops who couldn't understand him and hadn't wait, been wait, there wait, for wait, the wait, lifeboat. Wait, 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 What the fuck is abandoned ship in Flemish? Because, like... Oh, it's... Uh, no, don't worry, this ship. is really, really part <laughs> yeah. of our heritage. Just, just a, a American from, like, Nebraska going, what the fuck is a shoop? Abandoned ship! And and this is, I I was a little confused here because it seems like a lot of the crew just gets in the lifeboats and leaves. Uh, Yeah, because he said abandon shoot. Yeah. Yeah. But but the uh, the troops are just there standing on the deck, just milling around confused. Oh, God, these poor bastards. Um, Now, keep in mind they're in a convoy. There's four other ships there, right? Mm hmm. So the crew of HMS Brilliant saw the ship was stricken. They tried to radio, telephone, or otherwise signal Sherberg to get some rescue vessels out. And they had several problems. Yeah, they they also start dropping the, like, scrambling nets over the side so that if you can swim to Brilliant, which is such a fucking British name for a destroyer, by the way, HMS Brilliant, um, you can, like, climb up and be rescued, but that will also have some problems. However... Uh, lest we forget, this is a holly jolly Christmas episode from it our is. family to yours. It is Christmas Eve, yes. God mm-hmm. oh, damn it. <laughs> and uh, there, is... boy, which pod is this? <laughs> Why so? It's Christmas pod. <laughs> <laughs> so there there were several Alright, settle down. <laughs> I really liked that. <laughs> <laughs> Bah humbug. I'm very <laughs> easily amused. Yeah. <laughs> so, now the Americans who would set up a base in Cherbourg, they were operating radios on a different frequency from the British. Right. Right? And, te- mm-hmm. you know, so calls for help went unheard. Instead, right. the British had to radio back to Portsmouth. And then Portsmouth had to telephone Cherbourg. Right? And, and, for Just getting stuck reason, in a fucking like automated like press one if your call relates to like fucking your balance ass system. Your call is important to us. Please mm. continue to hold. Per instruccione in español, but not Flemish. Not Flemish. No. 
So they tried basically every method they had to contact Sherberg, uh, except they forgot about their semaphores. Um, oh, no. And in well, the meantime... <laughs> who, who remembers those, to uh, be honest? In the meantime, the Americans in Sherberg had seen the convoy had stopped when they shouldn't have. They were trying to signal the convoy with their semaphores and light signals and stuff like that, and no one saw them, right? Well, they were a bit busy. Respond. Yeah. So it wasn't until 625 that the message, Leopold hit, need assistance, reached Sherberg, and without any kind of clarification about what kind of assistance was required. Yeah, it just right? says, help. <laughs> yeah, help. And this was compounded by the fact that everyone was at Christmas parties, right? Da- Mm-hmm. Don't do them. Don't do them. They're a real, they're a danger to, <laughs> to allied shipping. Yes, absolutely. Sherberg's Harbor was full of, uh, you know, capable vessels, which could have been used for rescue operations. You know, we're talking like ship's tenders. We're talking naval tugs. We're talking about there had been a prompt response. Yeah, they rescue just, shit. Absolutely. Yeah. If there had been a prompt response, they probably could have just towed the ship into the harbor and beached it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and now but, we're getting into the disaster because yes. <laughs> everybody who should have been like available to go and man those is, you know, wearing a lampshade on their head. Yes. Uh, at the fucking office Christmas party. Because despite the fact that you're fucking five years deep into World War II, the Christmas party is absolutely inviolate. You have to have it. If you yeah. don't have the Christmas party in, like, in liberated France, the Nazis have basically won already. Yeah, you have to go do like, a good old-fashioned American you know, uh, 1940s Christmas party, which is you know, mostly sexual assault. Um, <laughs> Jesus fuck! You you have to drink uh, between like five and six glasses of bourbon. Yes. Like do some light arson, some yes. sex crimes. Yes. I heard light arson. Mm-hmm. Sign me up, baby. <laughs> so all these boats were uncrewed or had minimal crews. None of them could be started up and sent to sea quickly, right? Because everyone's at Christmas. The engines are cold, right? Yeah, for two reasons. One, everyone's at uh, uh, Christmas parties, and two, it's the, it's fucking late December. Yes. It's like, it's Christmas Eve at this point, I think. So since, since they are having difficulty getting the message around, HMS Brilliant's uh, crew and captain take it upon themselves to do some of the rescuing, right? They pulled up alongside the Leopoldville, which, yep, by the way... Here, boys. Yeah. By the way, involved crushing two empty lifeboats. Um, <laughs> That's arriving, fun. arriving, like m- just like absolutely crushing Co- two lifeboats flat. Yeah, like you're welcome. Tally ho. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they pull up alongside the Leopoldville, but there's an issue, which is that the seas are pretty rough. The weather's not great, right? Um, well, don't be a so The boats mm. are being pushed apart and then pushed back together again, and then pushed apart and pushed back together again, and this is a problem. Because they're not trying to get the soldiers to jump from one boat to the other. Oh, fuck the that. Yeah, game I, of Frogger. Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I signed up to be in a first-person shoot and not a fucking platformer. <laughs> and um, and, and uh, HMS Brilliant's deck was a good 30 feet lower 
than mm. Leopoldville's. Oh. Jump, jumping from one wet surface to another wet What's surface. What's for good luck, boys? At different angles, encouraged only by the screams of a bunch of Flemish dudes running away. <laughs> yes. So, a lot of people who jumped made it, right? They, it's a lot of them sustained injuries, but they made it. But some people fell between the two boats. Oh, yeah. don't like that. Yeah, so that so then when the boats, you know, they got pushed back together again, you got turned into a pancake. Um, oh. Yeah, not good. So at seven twenty p.m., the HMS Brilliant left, having taken on about five hundred men, and they figured the rescue vessels coming from Sherbert could take the rest. Right, they could see the rescue vessels coming at this point. Right, the other two uh, armed boats in the uh, convoy. The frigate and the other destroyer yeah, were out Anthony hunting and the Lorraine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were looking for the U-boat. Right? Missed it, by the way. Uh, yes, the, that's not, the, the, the point isn't really to like kill it; it's to drive it off. But right. still, yeah. Mm. Um. Now around eight p.m., the boats from Sherberg finally showed up to take on the men. Right, but uh, you know there were there were twelve hundred troops still aboard. There were 25 Belgian crew and t- 10 British officers, right? Oh, jeez. Uh, Captain so Limber. Like 50% evacuated at this point. Yeah, some, less, a little less than 50%. After, I want to say, three hours? Yes, and keep in uh, mind, uh, it's actually not 50% evacuated, because in that figure are the 300 people who were previously killed. Oh, Jesus oh, Christ, okay. Yes. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Mm-hmm. So Captain Limber was still also aboard, and he gave the order to the remaining officers and crew to abandon ship, and he'd stay back to coordinate the rescue operation, which proved to be a mistake. Hmm. Okay. So the loudspeaker was no longer operational, right? Um, Captain Limber was marching around the deck. He was shouting orders in French and Flemish. It's like, who the fuck is this guy? What? What? This is the least helpful thing I could imagine. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, he was. He was. He was shouting to to these troops who had no. Not only did they not understand the language, they certainly had never been on a boat in their lives. They don't know how to handle any sort of like, you know, naval equipment of any kind. Yeah, and and like he's he's presumably speaking like naval English, so he's fucking like saying not only in like Flemish, but he's saying the Flemish equivalent of like hoist the fucking like lubbers or whatever. What the fuck is that? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I mean, this is this is a horrible case of naval officer brain. And the thing I've noticed about naval officers, particularly in World War Two, is that they fucking love killing themselves. (laughs) They they absolutely (laughs) cannot help it. In every navy, like that, like people always talk about, like oh, the Imperial Japanese Navy had this like culture of honor, and it's like no, everybody fucking did this. The Italian Navy had so many destroyer captains go down with the ship when they could have just stepped off of it and been rescued <laughs> that they had to put out a formal order that was like, uh, you do not go down with the ship. You don't have to do that. You are more useful alive, and they still ignored it. Remind me that we need to do the Andrea Doria soon. Yeah. <laughs> so sometime just after eight, a Navy rescue tug arrived, right? But no one on board knew how to secure the tow rope. Oh, you've already evacuated all <laughs> of the crew. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one very angry Flemish man who has to do this himself. They did eventually find out someone who knew uh, something about knots. 
they've figured uh, out. Fi finally, yeah. bondage Jim comes through. Yeah. <laughs> how do you call a bondage Jim? <laughs> <laughs> listen, right. listen. Getting drafted and like having an interest in Shibari—it's you know—you think it's not going to be useful, and yet, who's laughing now? Exactly. Bondage Jim. Bondage Jim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, okay, so they got the tow rope secured. Let's let's try and tug it back to harbor. I mean, the ship was, you know, fairly stable at this point. It was going down, but, you know, maybe you could drag this thing five miles or at least to shallower waters. Well, at about 8.30, a pair of large explosions were heard from below deck. Oh, there we go. Yeah, all the hatches blew off, Great. and the boat suddenly went from relatively stable to rapidly sinking and capsizing simultaneously. <laughs> do we know what exploded? I like, don't think we do. It was a troop ship. It didn't have like a magazine. Um, yeah, I that's what they said about the Lusitania. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I guess if you're carrying troops, you probably have to carry all of their like weapons all and ammunition and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. got a whole bunch of shit with them. But but I, I I don't know what exploded. It could have been a boiler explosion for all I know. Mm. Um. You know, if they if they've just been unattended for so long, yeah. um, oh, that's a good point. So, the men had not been ordered to prepare to enter the water. They had not even been told how to prepare to enter the water. Should such an eventuality be a possibility? I guess so, the calculus of risk looks a little different when you're a couple of months out from having done fucking Omaha Beach. You yeah, know? yeah. You know, and also it's like it's just crossing the channel. It's fine, but yeah, it's no, fine. nobody's nobody's firing an MG forty two at you. What are you a pussy? Yeah. So most of them had improperly secured life jackets, right? Oh, and since okay. these so it are, just falls off. No, 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 no. If you jump off the ship into the water, the the life jacket snaps your neck. Oh dear. Um, yeah, oh. They, they haven't improved it since the Titanic, apparently. Um, that's 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 not a very good life bad. jacket design. Yeah, yeah, no, that's more of a death jacket, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them were wearing their heavy winter gear under their life jackets, right? Yeah, because they'd been abundantly supplied with that. Because one of the biggest problems in the Battle of the Bulge was that U.S. troops were catastrophically undersupplied with winter gear. <laughs> so th they they compensated for that, and they're like, "Oh no, you'll definitely have mm -hmm. like a heavy like great coat." Uh, for the Belgian winter, and uh, mm. yeah, um, and they had their packs, they had their ammo, they had their boots, they had their rifles, they had entrenching tools, which is the military word for shovel. Um, <laughs> and it was, of course, fucking freezing as well, right? Yep. Oh yeah. So you know, some people they jump into the water and they sink like a stone, right? Some people they jump into water, they die instantly because their necks get snapped. Some people sort of climb over the railing and walk down the side of the capsizing ship. It's always the smartest option, it seems. Um, yeah, just, just step off. Just, yeah, uh, yeah, just platform it. Yeah, you just sort of step off the boat, you know. Uh, those people, I think, uh, fared the best. Um, you know, you also had, once you were in the water, you had to sort of rid yourself of all the heavy shit, right? Right. Um, yeah, this is, this is like World War II webbing. It's not like there's a fucking quick release buckle anyway. You gotta like unhook all of that shit. Yeah. So we have our typical after shipwreck scene. Everyone's screaming for help. They're drowning. They're dying of hypothermia. Um, but in this case, there were at least boats actively plucking people out of the water. Right. Yeah, just mostly dead people. Uh, they picked out a lot of live people, actually. 
you had a better than 50-50 chance of surviving this one. Wow. Um, <laughs> New record for us, I think. I know, right? Bunch of um, guys who have just come fresh from the office Christmas party. They're wearing the fucking Santa hats. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do SantaCon. <laughs> reaches reaches out to you to like pull you into the boat, but he's holding one end of a Christmas cracker. Yeah, exactly. It was uh, <laughs> then you pull it and you get the short end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least I get to read this joke before I down before I fucking drown. <laughs> Oh no, the water's made the ink run. (laughs) (laughs) One of the problems about the recovery effort, though, is they uh, misidentified some of the living for dead, right? Oof. And they took all the dead and they heaped them in a big pile in Cherbourg, uh, where the people who were alive in there all died of exposure. Jesus. (laughs) Yep. Again, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. Building a big snowman out of like frozen corpses. <laughs> so overall, of these uh, two thousand two hundred and twenty-three troops, seven hundred and sixty-three were killed officially. Jesus. Um, one Belgian crewman and three Congolese crewmen were killed. Being suicidal, Captain Limber, of course, went down with the ship. I mean, I love doing it. Why? Why? <laughs> yeah. There was no reason. I love doing it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, that's that's a good return for the Nazis on one torpedo. I was about to say, yeah, they they uh they really uh they really knocked it out of the park with that one. Mm. Well, sometimes you just get lucky, I guess. But we got to talk about the uh, the aftermath of this, which uh, I, I I've chosen this this frame from the movie The Hunt for Red October to describe. Very fucking perfect. Great movie. Uh, you you heard that torpedo hit the hole, and and I was never here because we're talking about a fucking cover up. Yes, because this is a very embarrassing way to lose so many people. Absolutely, absolutely, and you don't want the Nazis to find out about it either if you can help it. So first of all, this just isn't announced like anywhere. There's no press coverage of this, which is you know fair enough. It's wartime, you right? Black out, yeah. Uh, yeah. But like all of the letters home from that division immediately censored. Um, the the soldiers of the 66th Infantry Division are ordered not to tell anybody about this incredibly traumatic thing that has just happened to them. Um, and, and this persists for some fucking reason. I cannot for the life of me figure out why this would be the case, other than just institutional secrecy. But when they would like discharge from the army at the end of the war, they were ordered not to talk about it to the press, and they were told that if they did, their GI Bill benefits would be cancelled. Oh, get fucked. <laughs> so you don't get your fucking like, uh, 50s house anymore. Uh, you don't get to go to college or whatever. You don't. You um, don't get to. Uh, you don't get to live in an exclusionary suburb. Mm, you know? <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. Exactly. And uh, the families of the people who got killed never got any explanation for how their relative died. They just, you know, got told that they got killed. If they were but lost not at what sea. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, And the 66th Infantry Division is so depleted by this loss that they can't, in fact, be usefully sent to the Battle of the Bulge. Um, What happens is, in a certain sort of historical irony, they get sent further south, and they end up fighting to seize the U-boat base at Lorient instead. One of the things I think which, uh, you know, made this, you know, especially the the families who lost um, their kids in this... uh, 
incident. You know, I imagine kind of suspicious is that, you know, they, they just sent Johnny off to war. They saw him off at the train station in Omaha like two weeks earlier, and they already got a letter back from the government saying, oh, yeah, he died. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 ROI, that's no. sufficiency. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, y- you may be pleased to know that on its next combat patrol in April, um, uh, U-486 is torpedoed and sunk with all hands by the, uh, the British submarine HMS Taper, which is then history's deadliest Taper. Ah. Yeah. What, what's a tap here? What's a a taper is a, a taper is a kind of like a it's a jungle animal looks like a pig with a weirdly long like snout. Yeah, um, I see. Mm-hmm. Like cute, them like cute. Cry three. Mm-hmm. Also true. Um. Anyway, what did we learn from the sinking of the SS Leopoldville? Now that we've been allowed to talk about it, a very obscure disaster still to I this day. Not, I do not believe the documents were declassified until 1996. Jesus fuck. What? Why? Why? What were the? What did they fucking have on that ship? Mothman? <laughs> he strikes again. Were they sending yes. fucking Captain America to Bastogne? Why? Why the secrecy? I have no idea. It's just no. embarrassing. I, I just mean, embarrassing, I, yeah. I, I guess so. But like, plenty of other embarrassing things happened and still weren't treated with this level of like, I don't know. It, it makes me want to be a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, I don't know that it's this this uh I don't know that there's any conspiracies around it. So, um, sound off in the comments if yeah, you have well, a, a a conspiratorial explanation for why uh this was covered up to the extent that it was and double points if you can link this to Spotify censoring us somehow. Yes. Yes, of course. I mean, in terms of lessons learned from this, I would simply say uh do not entrust the Flemish with no. anything. Yes. <laughs> Uh, make sure that instructions are read in the vernacular language. Respect yeah. Congolese ghosts. Yes. Uh, don't do the Belgian Congo. Yeah, don't do, don't do, do, do genocide. Do, do, yeah. do not become complacent about U-boats. And most of all, chiefly, the real message of this podcast, never go to a Christmas party. No. Yes. Bad you idea. never know. You never know if when you will be called upon to rescue uh, a ship haunted by ghosts. Yes. Or which one of your colleagues is secretly a U-boat? Exactly. It could be anyone. It could be you. It could be me. It could be Justin. It could yeah. be any one of us. It could be activate Windows logo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the moral of the story. Don't get blown up by a U-boat. Bad don't, idea. Don't. Don't get blown up by a U-boat and don't go to a Christmas party. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Merry, Merry Christmas. Uh, happy Kwanzaa. And mm-hmm. um, Hanukkah's over already. Yeah. Um, uh, what else is in do it Festivus, I guess? Yeah. I'm not doing that. It's no, for the it's rest of us. Uh-huh. <laughs> well... Right. We have a segment on this podcast which we like to call Safety Third. Very good. Thank you. That's so fucking loud, dude. (laughs) I didn't know it was going to do that, to be honest. (laughs) Hello. Well, there's your problem podcast and guest, if applicable. No No, guest. Idiot. No. no. Jackass. 
<laughs> well, hello, well, there's your problem, podcast, and you activate Windows. <laughs> yes. I'm a construction worker who shall, for legal reasons, remain unnamed. I was okay. working on a very small crew a few years ago at a facility that was getting new equipment installed. As part of this process, temporary equipment needed to be moved in to keep the fun- all the functions that the old equipment was serving running while the new gear could be installed. Okay. This process had moved moving by hand several large cabinets on little caster wheels. The one of interest today weighed around 5,000 pounds. What? Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that allowed? Yeah, probably. Just add more casters. <laughs> <laughs> also of note was the requirement in this facility for us to be monitored at all times by an escort. Uh, no, oh. not that kind, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a rewrite my yeah. porn now. To make sure we didn't look at anything too closely, ask too many questions, or fuck anything up, as they were very particular about their area. Sure, great. The guy yeah. getting crushed by a, like, 5,000-pound container uh, has to wear a little visitor's badge. Yeah. yeah. The way this temporary gear was moved in was relatively simple, except for the threshold. I noticed that the threshold is capitalized here, so I would suggest that it's more like, like the threshold. Yes. Yeah. For the minority, majority of the walk to the location the gear sat in, it could comfortably be rolled along the floor, and while heavy, it was manageable. This is until the threshold. A very the threshold. threshold. Very fragile door threshold the gear couldn't just roll over. It had to be ramped up and then back down via four-foot-long ramps we had built out of wood. They were pretty shallow as the threshold was not very tall, but when you're talking about several thousand pound piece of gear being moved by three guys, any change of elevation is notable. This tale takes place at the end of the job when the temporary gear was being removed and all the new equipment was up and running. The escort of the day was Jack, who was an old guy who, if you believed him, had seen and done every kind of job under the sun and was not shy about telling you how to do yours. Yeah, he used to be on the SS Leopoldville. Yeah. <laughs> he was a sea lo- captain and he fought in World War II and then he'd been mm-hmm. to space. The only one to survive didn't go down with the ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As the largest cabinet was being moved out down the threshold, uh, the threshold, <clears throat> I, the youngest and smallest guy on the crew, was given the illustrious position of being on at the front of the cabinet pushing against it as I slowly rolled down the ramp, while my other co-worker held on to it from the back and pulled against it. Mm. Jack was off to my right on my side of the threshold. This is Jack here, right? Yeah, this little red dot. Yeah. And my boss was to my left, also, hap- also helping to guide the gear down. Predictably, for this segment, something went wrong, and the cabinet slipped and began rolling free. And this was not a big deal until you know that the other end of the wall of this hallway, the other wall of the hallway is almost right at the end of the ramp and with just enough space for the gear to sit on the flat section of the floor in front of the ramp, right? Like here, right? Yeah, so it it can come to a stop, but also it will squish you. Yes. For bonus fun, there was also a 480 volt disconnect on the wall that stuck out and should the gear hit it, the chance of causing an arc flash explosion. <laughs> now, now we're talking. So there I am, between a big two and a half ton rolling cabinet and a big metal disconnect, ready to crush me into chunky marinara 
and also potentially cook me as well. <laughs> I made the smart decision and tried to get the fuck out. I mean, you wouldn't want a raw chunky marinara. Yes, exactly. No. Um, Jack, a company man, attempted to save the gear. Unfortunately, I tried to scoot out from the same side Jack was on, but because he had jumped in and started pushing against the cabinet, I was now trapped between the gear, the gear, the disconnect, and a septuagenarian. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking boomers. With plan A out, I had no recourse but to throw everything I had into stopping this. I don't know how, but somehow we managed to stop the equipment. Um, I'm pretty sure my coworker and boss were able to get hands on it, and I might have gotten the tip of my steel toe in front of one of the wheels to act like a chalk. But honestly, the memory is hazy from the aftermath of the adrenaline. Once this little oopsie was cleared up, we finished moving this and the other cabinets out of the building. And my boss had a chat with Jack about delineation of duties and basically threatened to walk off the job from what I heard about it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Moral of the story is to always have an exit plan Make sure that plan can't be screwed up by other people making dumb decisions. And make sure everyone knows what they should be doing when you do sketchy shit. It's good advice. Good and advice. also, never, never trust an old guy. It's true. Um, ne never, tr <laughs> never trust an old guy on a job site. Yes. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> That's why their job should be to sit on the other side of the fence and and judge and make you, make you yeah, feel exactly. bad. Umarel yeah. shit, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, safety third. Fuck, where's my safety third button? Yeah, yeah, you gotta find it. Shake hands with danger. I lost it because the Seinfeld. Yeah. Our next episode is on the boss of molasses disasters. Anyone have any commercials before we go? I think Liam has a shout out. I do. All right, this Hi. is true. Yes. Yes. Let me just. Oh uh, God. Friend of the show, Katie, uh, could use some monetary support, some help. Uh, they've got a bunch of medical issues, uh, and I would appreciate it just as a personal appeal if you guys are out there listening to it, uh, send some money to their PayPal. Uh, that would be very, very appreciated if we could drop their PayPal in the slides, in the notes, in the release notes. I'd appreciate it. Yeah, there we go. Great, I'll listen perfect. to Kill James yeah. Bond. Do that. I'll watch Franklin. Uh, stop fucking emailing us about Spotify. We're working on it. Mm -hmm. uh, listen to we Ten Thousand Losses and listen to uh, Lions Live by Donkeys. Mm -hmm. Yes, Trash Future. Trash Future. I can't believe I forgot it. Yes. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas. Merry from Christmas, everyone. From, 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 from us to you. From our yes. family to yours. That's right. All right. Bye, everybody. And avoid off. being visited by three ghosts. Yeah, unless they're us. Do do mm. not become a capitalist unless if, you wish to be visited by three ghosts. Us. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Ooh. You will be Ooh. in a in a slideshow eventually. That's true. <laughs> All right. Merry Christmas. Right. Bye everybody. Yeah, that was a nice short one.